1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we're going to take a close look at what you can expect from your banking services in the future. I'm Robert Miller, so we'll be moving from a little bit of this... a little bit of this. Yes, well, you can guess which ones they are, but we will tell you later. I'm joined by Catherine Griffiths, Banking Editor of The Times, Alexandra Freen, our business columnist, and James Dean, Technology Correspondent of The Times. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Catherine, if I can start with you looking forward, perhaps from where we left off previously, uh, looking at the Competition and Markets Authority report, it's out. But the biggest losers, possibly consumers, but the challenger banks have said this is totally unfair. And if you want to create a proper and vibrant banking sector, they've missed this opportunity is that fair and is there anything they can do about it
2: the problem really for the challenges is they're just talking their own book massively what they would have liked uh, the competition authorities to do you know in an ideal world is to sort of break up lloyds because lloyds has 25% plus of the retail banking market there are certainly things that the the competition and markets authority could have done that would have would have been more radical they could have insisted on Portable sort codes. So just like with your mobile phone number, you could move your sort code ar- around if you swap bank easily. And that may have kind of reduced barriers to people swapping banks. But really the fundamental problem with banking in this country and actually in a lot of countries is, you know, you might want to move from Barclays or Lloyds or whoever, but there's nothing particularly enticing drawing you in elsewhere. There are banks with better technology, but nothing really very fundamental.
1: In terms of the, of the challenger banks, was there a problem that perhaps could be solved by the regulators in terms of the amount of capital they have to put aside? Are there things that could still be done to help them, if you like, take them on in the big areas, like if you say uh, current accounts or in terms of lending? Is there something that could still be done?
2: Yes, certainly. Um, so the the two-year investigation into competition was into current accounts and the reason for that was because everyone generally believes that the current account is kind of at the heart of the banking relationship and if you have a current account with a bank you are very likely to have other products too so that's why they looked at it that way but the challenges have said that you could look at competition in other areas particularly say in mortgages and that's where their point about capital is really important because New banks, on the whole, have to hold lots more capital against mortgages than the big established players. That's just international rules on on capital. Now, there are actually changes to those rules that are going on and then at the same time there's this lobbying going on in this country and elsewhere to try and level that playing field. And perhaps if that playing field does get leveled a bit, then the smaller challenger banks will be more able to compete in areas like mortgages with the big banks. But then actually there's a counter argument which is that philosophically you don't necessarily want lots of small banks out there kind of competing like mad in the in the mortgage market perhaps. Perhaps what you really want is a small is a sort of small number of big players doing mortgages that they've done for a long time and that in a sense that's a safer system. That's certainly one argument. The challengers would certainly disagree with it, but it it is one argument.
1: Alex, looking at your experience in America, does this sound familiar to you or is are we looking at t- two totally different banking worlds I mean I'd have thought the Americans were quite whizzy aren't they
3: no the Americans are not whizzy um, their banking system is like going back in time in many respects but what they do have is a is a, a Very competitive field. There are lots of banks, a lot of regional and local banks. Credit unions are very active, so they have the kind of situation that a lot of people say they'd like to see in Britain. That the kind of competition. Um, And what happens is they they charge fees, and we mentioned this last week in in our podcast. You know, if if you bank with Bank A, you go and withdraw money from Bank B, you're you're suddenly paying a three dollar fee. But what is happening in America and I think what, what will be very exciting is is the number of uh, fintech companies with funding from Silicon Valley who are, who are trying to um, upset the traditional picture and who are coming up with some really interesting products and after spending months and years trying to come up with clever apps that you know make people empty their wallets there's a number of fintech companies which are using their technology now to try and help people keep money in their wallets and with some very clever developments and and I think we might see the US banking system leapfrog us and come back into the modern world.
2: It's actually really interesting. That sort of idea of just sort of start-up banks helping people to save money actually has been present in some some banks, some financial institutions in this country going back years. So for people who might remember it, Egg, the, um, the start-up it was online... It wasn't it? which was Prudential exactly and it's now found its way through various manifestations to Yorkshire Building Society and First Direct, the HSBC Bank, they were sort of early examples of banks which kind of aggregate people's accounts and do. And the idea was to try and help people see their whole financial picture and, and help them to sort of save money. Certainly one of the very big changes... As if it turns out um, it, with the latest competition inquiry, which I'm sure James maybe would have more expert views on the technological side, but is is to really really bring that to bear across the board so that people can see in a very easy way their whole financial picture. There'll be technology to properly analyse their in- their incomings and their outgoings and help them to sort of plan their finances much better. I was talking to the to one of the founders of tandem bank this week who they haven't launched yet they're they're in the money raising phase but the guy made the point that um you can now if you want to spend a saturday going through your finances searching the market and get the very best deal type thing but obviously people just don't really do that whereas if actually this technology makes it just much much easier for you then you know if you if you believe the 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 idea then in the future we will all, we will all be able to manage that kind of thing much better.
0: It's, um, I mean what the CMA suggested is certainly uh, certainly interesting. It's using something called um, application program interfaces or APIs to essentially let um, other banks or fintech companies or other tech companies plug in to this mass banking data that's uh, that's generated every day um obviously the devil will be in the detail and wasn't a huge amount of detail in in the cma's in cma's plans so far but it as i say it's certainly interesting um the aim, obviously, one one of the aims is that you'll be able to have one app that will bring together all of your accounts into one place, so that you can see everything in in one place rather than having to log in separately to all of your online banking things or your share accounts, all that sort of thing. Um, which is certainly helpful, although I'm not I'm not sure. You know, it, it seems like more like a helpful thing rather than a, a certainly an exciting thing. I think the exciting thing would be using this massive data on a personalised level to actually help people get cheaper deals on uh, on loans, get, um, get better current account deals. And obviously then if the switching process is smooth, perhaps they could flick between current accounts with a, a swipe on their iPhone.
1: But aren't people still more likely, the old statistic, to get divorced and change their bank current account true? And if so, what a customer about this technology is banks have proved pretty inept at it so far I mean Williams and Glynns couldn't be sold off because he couldn't do the the going back to Lloyd's TSB there was a huge problem there what makes us think we can trust the banks to produce a decent and secure happy happy that's going to get us all doing one thing at one time
0: on the plus side is they have a lot of money so um, these big projects big data projects will require a lot of money but What's going to be very difficult is that there's, you know, there are a few banks, but there's obviously more than one bank. Everyone's going to have to come up with this common set of ideals about how to share the information, how the information flows. And it seems like an incredible amount of work to do in the fairly short time frame. I think they, they want this kind of API platform to be ready by the start of 2018. And that doesn't give you a very long time to do this. Um, you know, to ensure that it doesn't break down in the future and also to ensure that it is secure and people's information can't be hacked or lost.
1: Talking in something we touched on before, Alex has talked on it too. I'll ask all of you. First of all, you, Alex, this comes at a cost, as James, James said, there's, they've got a lot of money. But at the end of the day, do you see so far the likelihood that we are that much nearer to charging fees on accounts because of all this technological change? Someone's got to pay for this.
3: I think that would be a very difficult thing to pull off in the UK, just because people are not used to it, and I, I think they would complain. I, I think it would be a very, very hard thing. I'm not saying it won't happen. I just think that would be very difficult. It hurts when you see a charge for, for withdrawing. Care. In
1: the late 80s, they said nobody would introduce a fee on uh, credit cards. They did, and within certainly within 12 months, by the early 90s, they were all doing it. So, do you think it might be just you just have to suck it up?
3: Maybe. You know, people don't want to pay for their newspapers. So <laughs> why are they going to pay for their
2: bank Perish the accounts? thought.
1: Perish the thought.
2: The banks want to charge for current accounts and for banking services, um, but they're terrified of being the first mover. Um, I mean, you've certainly seen lots of smaller banks popping up and and there are models out there of charging but it's for the it's for the big players where it's just a a huge nightmare of a problem because they are such kind of utilities in this country they have millions of customers including actually for all the big banks lots of people with these basic bank accounts that was kind of forced upon them by previous governments um so they would need to figure out who they charge, what they charge, and all the rest of it. So they're just going to circle around for a while. But you know, actually, as some of the banks have said in their in their last set of results, they've sort of obliquely spoken about um, structural changes to banking um, in the light of interest rates coming down and probably coming down even more. If you if you kind of work out over the next few years what those Cuts in interest rates will do to banks to their profit margin. That might be the kind of actual fundamental challenge to their business plan that will mean that they will start to charge for for basic free and credit banking.
0: From the consumer side, it's you know uh, I think a lot of people have heard about the, the the fact that they might have to pay for their accounts, but. I'm not sure if the banks have been very good about explaining what they would offer on top of what they do now. I mean, if people are going to have to pay for something they already have, they don't really want to do that. Whereas if they're going to pay for something a little bit for perhaps something that's better, then, I don't know, people might be more willing to pay. But I just don't think we've heard enough about what benefits we might get as bank account holders if we have to start paying for our
1: accounts. All right, we'll sit tight there. We're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we're going to see what Janet Yellen might have up our sleeve.
3: The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year, time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk.
1: Welcome back. Now, as we said, we're going to take a look at what we might expect from the minutes from the July meeting of the US Federal Reserve. This is a clip from what Janet Yellen said this time, and I suspect she probably says every time.
2: As always, our policy is not on a preset course, and if the economic outlook shifts, the appropriate path of policy will shift correspondingly.
1: Alex, I think they probably put that in the manual for central bank governors, don't you? And governesses, of course, uh, when they when they speak. But looking at the Fed minutes, what should uh, investors or people with an interest in the market, what should they be looking for, do you think? What sort of nuances, given the backdrop of two very strong months of employment growth?
3: Can I just say first, that hasn't Janet Yellen got a great accent? I
1: could listen to it all day.
3: I just love listening to her speak. And what a fantastic role model for women. She's this smart, stable, wise old owl sitting there. Um, I just absolutely love her, um, even though I don't always agree with what she says. what people do, you know, looking at the Fed minutes is like a game of how much dissent can we detect between the different Fed members, and that, that's really what it's about right now. Um, Janet Yellen's been very successful at keeping everybody um, together, but, uh, you know, it's been clear in recent months, there have been some months where, where there's been clear divergences of opinion, and it, it's it's very hard to um, t- to come away with one clear message from the Minutes these days. We had really strong employment figures uh, in the United States uh, for the last month, uh, 255,000 new jobs. A few days later, we had really weak productivity uh, figures, which was the continuation of the longest slide since 1979. So every time one of these numbers comes out, the markets result one way saying, oh, we're going to get an interest rate rise, and then they go, oh, productivity's down. No, we're not. So it's, it's... A crazy game of swings and swings, but little by little we're edging closer to another increase which will widen the divergence between the direction that Britain's heading in and the United States. But I think there's a good chance there'll be another rise in interest rates in the US before the end of the year because job numbers are going up.
1: Catherine, there's a point that um, Alex raised there, that this widening divergence between Britain and, and the United States in interest rate policy, it does impact in the end on the financial shares, which are, there are a lot of small shareholders in these banks. Not much they can do about it really, is there? But what do you think we might see play out?
2: Well, I should imagine that the, the city banks will be in this country will be very, very pleased to see any indications that a rate rise is coming in the U.S., because it indicates strong American economy which is obviously very important for the wider world but also because they will see it as a sort of they will hope I guess it's a a slight break on rates going further down in this country Um, certainly when there was speculation ahead of uh, of the Bank of England's cut um, the quarter point cut to 0.25% the view here was well what we all need to remember of course is that in america rates are heading in the other direction so i think they'll see it as a as a break on um further downgrades here looking
1: at your sector james do you, do you find that interest rates are a matter of grave concern to a lot of the techies i mean I assume some of whom still probably look like they should be in high school
0: um i don't think they're too worried about it to be honest i mean it's uh it's an economy that's based on heavily on on venture capital and uh, and other people's money so um i don't think they're going to be too worried about the
1: short-term effects no oh well there's a cheery note turned on and that's just about it for now thank you all very much uh, but remember you can keep up to date with all the events and news we've been talking about uh, and analysis online uh, on your ipad version or of course in the paper If you're a Times subscriber, why not take the opportunity to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails? And if you don't have a subscription, just go to thetimes.co.uk where there's a special one-pound offer. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Alexandra Freen, to Catherine Griffiths and to James Dean. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.